everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, New Point. How are we doing? Good. It's so good to be with you, and I want to welcome each and every one of you, those in Cambridge and Coshocton and Millersburg, Worcester, Canton, and in T County, Dover, and New Philly. We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. I'm excited about what we're going to learn over the next several weeks because I know that as I have prepared, it's convicted me. It's challenged me in incredible, unbelievable ways. It's humbled me, and I trust that it will do the same for you. So we're kicking off a series today called Life and Death. Now, there's three things I know about you because I know them about me, and that is you talk. Oh, do you talk. And some of us talk more than others. Would you agree with me? Every day of our lives, we talk. And your saddest and your most celebratory moments have come from your words, right? When I look back on my life, the saddest moments in my life came from my words. The greatest moments of my life of celebration came from my words. You see, your world of talk is a world of trouble. Anybody ever get in trouble for what you said? Absolutely, probably this morning, right? Now, it's not because I know you so well, it's because I know me so well, okay? I've gotten myself in hot water a lot through my words. And so what you need to understand is what I'm sharing with you today and what I'll share with you throughout the month, I'm not sharing as an expert. I'm sharing as a student, still trying to learn, to watch my words, still trying to understand the weight of my words and understand my own shortcomings because that's where it begins. Now, let me ask you a question today as we just jump into this. Have you ever dismissed something as insignificant only later to find out it was pretty big? It was really, really big. Sure, all of us have. I'm there too often. And maybe you have joined me there too often. I heard a story about a doctor in 1846, Simmerweiss, I think that's how you say his name. And he worked at two maternity wards. He had one ward of where it was full of doctors, medical doctors. The other ward was filled with midwives. And what he learned was this. The, the maternity ward that was staffed by the doctors was experiencing the death of children at a five times greater rate than the maternity ward of the midwives. And he was out to find the reason why. He couldn't understand it. And at this time, the medical profession was learning a lot. It was growing. It was expanding. And there was a lot of different things. They were doing uh, autopsies. They were keeping data. They were paying close attention to everything. And so he wanted to find out what was going on. What was the difference? What was causing these babies to die? And what he found out was he found out that the doctors had the mothers laying on their back and the midwives had their, their, their patients, the moms laying on their side. And he thought, ah, maybe that's it. Don't think it is, but maybe that's it. We better try everything. And so they tried it and didn't change anything. 
And then he found out that when somebody would die, the priest would walk through the ward and ring a bell. And he thought to himself, well, maybe that's it. Maybe the women heard this and it caused a lot of stress and anxiety and they would die. So he asked the priest, though he didn't think it would really change anything. He asked the priest, he said, hey, I want you to stop ringing the bell between the deaths. And so he did. And it didn't change anything. And what he learned was this. What he learned was that the doctors, okay, unlike the midwives, when they would do autopsies and the women would die, they would not wash their hands and they would not wash their instruments. They would just go from one patient to the next patient immediately. And what happens is they found out that that was the cause. Now, what you have to realize is in 1846, germs had not been discovered. So you're thinking back and you're thinking how awful, but they didn't know it. They didn't understand it. And they didn't understand the whole idea of, of, of cleaning and, and disinfecting. It wasn't even on their mind. And so he told the doctors to wash their hands. He told the doctors to wash their, their instruments. He told them to do it with Coraline, not because of cleansing it, but because of the odor, the smell was so, so bad. And they started doing it and it changed everything. And it became an issue of life and death. And we know that the medical profession in washing their hands, probably there's been no greater breakthrough in all of the medical field than that in saving lives. And yet it was a big deal, but it didn't seem like a big deal. Yet it was life and death to them. And so it is with you and me when we talk about the power of words. When we talk about the power of words, we know they are important, don't we? Sure we do. But are they really a matter of life and death? Aren't you over-exaggerating, Dwight? Aren't you overstating the fact that really words are life and death? Are they really that significant? Well, look what Proverbs has to say. The tongue has the power of what? Life and death. Now, this isn't a shock value. This isn't to, to, to just shock you and me, hoping to get us to pay more attention to our words. This is literally true. True. They have the power of life and death. Every word I speak, every word you speak, have the power of life and death. That, that's why teaching or preaching it is one of the most humbling things ever. It's scary to be up here because I'm saying things and, and you may be taking them one way or another way and somebody will say something to me about, did you really say that? And I said, did you listen to the whole series? Because you're taking it out of context. And I just realized that there's power in the tongue. And for too many of us, we underestimate our words. Do you realize that that most of us say somewhere between 16 and 18,000 words a day. Try to underestimate that when you realize that there's power in the tongue of life and death. And Jesus himself warns you and me about the carelessness of you and I speaking and saying words to one another. And some of you know that because you've experienced it, right? In the homes that you grew up in. 
Maybe there were few words spoken, but they were life and death to you. They went to the core of your being. And you can still remember those words today. Maybe it was from a father. Maybe it was from a mother. Maybe it was from a sibling. Maybe it was from a coach. Maybe it was from a pastor. Maybe it was from a teacher or a leader. And they either brought life to you or they brought death to you. Matthew records what Jesus had to say about it. He said, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. Wow, isn't that true? There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them serious. Words can be your salvation. He's not talking about salvation as in being saved from our sins. He's just talking about they can deliver you. They can bring freedom. Or words can be your damnation. Wow. And, and, and so Jesus is letting you and I know. Dwight, hey gang, you know what? Words are powerful. Words are powerful. And you know what? You need to understand that. Don't underestimate the words that you speak to your wife, to your husband, or to your kids, or to your mom and dad, or to your coworkers, or to you, the, the employees, or even to your boss or leader. You know, we have, we have a tendency to think, well, they're pretty strong. They can handle it. Not when it comes to words. It's life and death. And what we have to understand is that we're created in God's image. And God has wired you and I to be able to have the power to speak. And when we speak, we either speak life or death. Scripture tells us that in the beginning, the earth was formless and it was empty. And yet God spoke and he spoke words. Genesis tells us this. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Wow. So at the beginning of all time, God creates through words, a universe. He speaks. And the very first words ever spoken by God gave life. We see creation. We see the heavens. We see the earth. We see it all, and he uses words to do it, words to create and to call forth things. And guess what? You and I are created in his image. We're godlike. We're not gods, but we're godlike. And so I have the ability to speak. I have the ability to say words. You have the ability to say words. And perhaps maybe this is one of the ways which we are most like God. In your mouth is life and death. In my mouth is life and death. And you and I will never understand the profound importance of words unless we start here, unless we realize that God created everything and he called everything forth through words. Now we need to realize that words not only speak life, but they speak death. And this is where sin enters the world. And, and God had created man and woman and everything was what? Everything was good. And yet we read this in Genesis. Now the serpent was more craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, okay, this is Satan. 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know what he does? He attacks what God had said. He attacked what God had spoken. He uses words to attack what God announced and proclaimed where there was life. And you know what? By the way, he'll do that today. Before you even leave the parking lot, he'll come to you and say, you know, Dwight's a nice guy, but that's, that's not really all that true. The life that we speak in this room, before you even leave the parking lot, your enemy will come and want to speak death to the very words of life that you've just heard. And, and, and what Satan wants to do is he wants to bring darkness where light has been spoken. He wants to bring death to where <clears throat> life has been spoken. Words that are not true, but if you believe them in your heart, they become alive in you and they'll bring death to you. They'll bring darkness to you. You see, the moment that Adam and Eve believed in their heart, they empowered the words that Satan said to him and to her. And so it is with you and me. When we believe a lie, when we believe that which is not true, we give them life. We give them power over us. And so God speaks. He builds. He creates. He blesses. Satan speaks. He deceives. He tempts. He accuses, he disrupts, he brings death. And it's hardwired in every single one of us. It's hardwired in the universe. John tells us, if you'll take time to read today, maybe John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word. He is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. And John is emphasizing the power of the word. Jesus is the word. That's why when we accept him as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, life comes to you and me and death is removed. Darkness comes into your heart and to my heart and, and darkness is gone. We see this over and over and over again. Luke says this of Jesus. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? Proclaim, to speak the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, speak freedom for the prisoners. Wow. And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim, again, speak. What? The year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is speaking good news. He's speaking life. He's speaking freedom. He's speaking hope. He's speaking healing. He's speaking deliverance. And it's all throughout the gospels. There is power of life in his words. And guess what? If he lives in you and if he lives in me, then he's given you and I to come in every situation. Listen, when you go home today, speak life. Y'all okay? When you go home today, speak light. You have that ability. I have that ability. And all throughout the gospels, Jesus is speaking this over and over and over and over again. And what is he saying to you and me? He is saying to you and me that words are the tools that God uses to bring life where there is death. Words are the tools that God uses to bring light when there is darkness. And we are made in the image of God. Think of that. And we have the same power. We have the same authority. We have the same ability to speak life and death wherever you're at. That, that's why what happens, listen to me, okay? When you walk into the room, you should bring a sense of presence. 
You should bring a sense of power. Somebody should say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Because they know that you have power. They, they know that, listen, they, they know that you're not just a, a, a thermometer. A thermometer takes the temperature of the room. A thermostat changes it. Listen to me. When our kids would come home from school, I'd always ask them this question. Were you a thermometer today or a thermostat? Did you just take the temperature or did you change the temperature? And all of us have the ability, are you all okay? All of us have, you have the ability today to change the temperature of your marriage just through your words. You have the ability to change the workplace just through your words. You can speak life and light where there is death and where there is darkness because our words have so much more power than you and I could ever realize. They have the ability to build up. They have the ability to tear down. They have the ability to oppress. They have the ability to set free. They have the ability to create. They have the ability to destroy. Think of that. That's the power that you and I have. As we have heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie from the darkest pit of hell. Because what happens is the enemy wants you and I to think that our words are not that significant, and they are. Dr. Simmerweis tried to get the doctors to believe that what he was saying was true, that if they would wash their hands, and if they would wash their instruments, it would bring about a whole change. It was his theme. And though he could not really explain how it worked, he knew that it worked. He knew that, hey, if you'll start washing your hands, if you'll start washing your, your instruments, it'll have a dramatic impact on the death that we're experiencing here. But because they did not know about germs, it had not been discovered yet. They were reluctant because you know what? Listen to me. They could not connect all the, all the dots. And so many of us are kept from the things of God because we can't connect all the dots. Scientifically, it was right. He just couldn't explain it. They didn't have the knowledge. He tried to get them to believe. He tried to get his colleagues to believe. And he became more and more obsessed with this message that you've got to wash your hands. You have to wash your instruments. It's the key. And he believed it in so much that he had a nervous breakdown and they put him into a mental institute at the age of 47. Question is, why didn't the doctors believe him? Well, they couldn't connect all the dots. And some of us, we say, you know what? If I can't logically understand it, then I reject it. Then you're gonna reject a whole lot of God because I don't understand him. Anybody here understand him? Matter of fact, he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. What he is saying is, hey, Mason, you're never gonna fully understand me. What you need to know is I'm a good God. I'm a great God. I'm a generous God. And the doctors didn't follow him because they couldn't connect all the dots. So they rejected him. But there's more to the message than that. You see, what happens is if they would believe, if they would believe what he discovered, listen to me, it would indict them. They'd have to own the deaths. And it was hard for them to accept the message because it was an indicting message. It means that the dying mothers was on them. And if you, listen to me, if you and I believe this message, it will indict you. 
on your marriage, on your family, in your relationships, at the workplace. Because you'll have to admit, you know what, man, my words are powerful. I've spoken things into my marriage. I've spoken things into my family. I've spoken things at work that, you know what, that brought nothing but death. Brought nothing but darkness. And in 1846, they were learning a whole lot. They were moving pretty fast. And so they couldn't connect all the dots, so they rejected it. And because if they did accept the facts, it would indict them. And so the power of words, if we're going to take it serious, which I hope and I pray that you don't miss a message, it means that we're going to have to indict ourselves. I've already indicted myself in my marriage, with my kids, at the workplace, and using words carelessly. We have to indict ourselves that, you know what, hey, I've brought pain to people. I've spoken words that have hurt. And it's much easier to not go there. Would you agree with me? It's much easier just to ignore it and just to underestimate the power of words. But, but look here, okay? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you're going to have to eat your words? (laughs) That's what this is talking about. Because what happens is every time you and I speak, what happens is we're planting seeds and those seeds bear fruit. And whatever seeds you plant, they will determine the fruit that you and I have to eat in our marriage, with our family, at work, in our relationships with people, because you're either planting life or you're planting death. Jesus said it like this. He said, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Have have you ever said this or been around somebody who said this? Probably all of us have said this. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, yeah, you did. It, 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 <laughs> it'd been better for you and I to say, I meant every word that I said, it was just the wrong time. Because the fact of the matter is you wouldn't have never said it if it wouldn't have never been in your heart. It was in your heart. Let that sink in just for a moment. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Your behavior, my behavior is not caused by circumstances or even relationships outside of you. Your behavior and my behavior comes from what's in my heart. We blame it on people. But the fact of the matter is, no, that's in your heart. That's in my heart. That's why we did that. And I need to understand that I have a word problem and I have a heart problem. And your behavior and my behavior are shaped and caused by how your heart responds to the things around you. You see, I like to say it like this. We're all like tea bags. You don't know what's in us until you put us in hot water. All right? You you, want to find what's in somebody's heart? Don't let them have their way. Don't let them have their way. Because we all want our way. And we don't get our way, then it just comes out. And that's really what's in your heart. And so when I say unkind words, I'm revealing an unkind heart. When I say harsh words, I'm really revealing a harsh heart. When I'm bragging about things, I'm really revealing a prideful heart. And Jesus says to you and me, the way in which we talk comes from our heart. You see, painting the outside of a pump doesn't change the poison that's in the well. We need something more than that. And so what do we need? 
Let me give you three things as we wrap up. You got to get a new heart. Got to get a new heart. Why? Because everything flows from your heart. Everything flows from your heart. Ezekiel says it this way. He says, rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. And so I need to come, and maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you need to say, God, you know, today I I realize that, that, that I have said things and I have done things, and really it wasn't about the people. It wasn't about my circumstances. It wasn't about the situation. It wasn't that I was treated unfairly. It was what was in my heart and I need a new heart. And you can have a new heart by praying a simple yet life-transforming prayer. God, as much as I know how and as much as I understand, I ask you to come into my heart. I thank you for Jesus, who is life and light. And I invite him in to change me and to give me a new heart and a new spirit. David prayed it like this. David said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. You see, listen, only God can do this. Only God can do this. Nobody else can give you a new heart. Nobody. I can't, a church can't, a counselor can't, a mom and dad can't. Nobody can give you a new heart. Only God can give you a new heart. Only God can clean the guilt and the shame and the hurt and the pain that you and I have. And so maybe today, the truth that you need to hear, the life that you need to receive is, I need a new heart. God will give it to you. He's in the business of doing that. Here's the second thing. Ask God for help every day. Ask God for help every day. Just pray to God. God, I I, I need help. I'm going to be meeting with people. I'm going to be talking with my wife, my husband, my kids. I'm going to be in multiple different situations. I need your help, God. Because what happens is all of us need supernatural power if we're gonna control our tongue. James tells us that none of us can control our tongue. You can't do it on your own. Your life is proof of that. My life is proof of that. And so you ask God for help. And one of the ways in which you do that is you speak God's word over your life. I speak God's word over my life every single day, every single day. Why? Because his word is life. His word is light. You see, death wants to come to me. Darkness wants to come to me. And, and, and I can't live that way. I just can't. I go crazy. And so I speak God's word over me every single day because people are speaking death and darkness to me. Look at what it says here in Isaiah. Rain and snow fall from the sky and don't return without watering the ground. They cause the plants to sprout and grow, making seeds for the farmer and bread for the people. Wow. Listen to this. The same is true of the words I speak. Are you connecting the dots here? They will not return empty. Just like a seed, you go out and you you sow seeds. It will not return empty. They make things happen that I want to happen, and they succeed in doing what I sent them to do. (laughs) So this morning, I spoke God's word over my life today because I was battling death. I was battling darkness. Didn't know if I wanted to get up here today. Ever been there? 
And what happens is when you begin to speak these words over you, they may not transform you immediately. But when you speak these words over you day after day after day after day, week after week after week after week, month after month after month after month, year after year after year after year, then life begins to show and darkness begins to come and you will be planting seeds. And again, you may not see it immediately, but over a period of time, you will begin to be transformed and you'll experience life. You'll experience light. The psalmist says it like this, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Wow. Proverbs also says, says that in many words, there is sin. So you talking a lot, you're sinning a lot. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> he wants us to listen twice as much as what we speak because when you and I have a tendency to speak a lot, in those words are death and darkness many, 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 many times. And so, God, don't let me be judgmental. Don't let me be critical. Don't let me be cynical. Don't let me be negative. Don't let me complain. Don't let me be sarcastic. We're going to talk about all of these. God, I need your help. I need your help. I need your spirit in me that speaks and calls forth life and light in my life and in my relationship and in my marriage and with my kids and at the workplace. So you ask God for help every single day. And maybe before you go to bed, you speak words of life over you, God's word. And you ask God for help. And then thirdly, you think before you speak. Wow. You know, before you, you, you loosen your tongue, you put your mind in gear. You engage your mind before you engage your mouth. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So when we speak fast, we're usually speaking from a heart of what? Anger. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to reflect on our words and, and to think before I speak. And so maybe at the end of the day again, you ask yourself, you know, where, where did I speak life? And where did I speak light? And where did I speak death? Where did I speak darkness? And you reflect upon your conversations. Where did I encourage? Where did I bless? Where did I offer hope and life? Maybe even, God, were there times that I spoke death into life or darkness when there was light. You see, if you were to go back on the conversations that you had this past week, would you say that you spoke life and light to your spouse, to your kids, to your mom and dad, to the people that you work with? God hears it all. God hears it all. You see, your tongue and my tongue displays who I really am. So let me ask you, where's your words leading you? Where are they leading you? Are they leading you into life and light? Because nobody talks to you more than you. This isn't just about talking to other people or about other people, okay? 
you, you talk to yourself and you have the ability. You know, I, I, I always talk to leaders and I, I, I say, who's your greatest cheerleader? And, and they'll name somebody. And they usually ask me, who's your greatest cheerleader, Dwight? And I said, you want to know who my greatest cheerleader is? It's me. It's me. I have to become my greatest cheerleader. I, I, I can't be dependent. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for you. But you know what? I, I have to become my greatest cheerleader. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, and David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. He spoke God's word. He spoke God's favor. He spoke God's blessing over himself. And so what words are you speaking to yourself? What words did you say to you this past week? Did they bring life or death? Did they lead you into light or darkness? Hey, I want you to join us all month because we're going to talk about this. We're going to learn. You're going to be indicted. I've already been indicted, okay? But you know what? We serve a gracious, loving God who wants to give us a new heart, who wants to help us, who wants to lead us into life and light. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads right where you're at. Listen, here's what I know. This spoke to every single person. It's not a person here today that weren't indicted. We're all indicted. We're all guilty. And yet we serve a forgiving Savior who's willing to forgive, who's willing to restore, who's willing to help. Would you ask him for that today? Maybe your first step is to invite him into your life. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you just need to say, God, I need help, man. I need help with the words that I speak to one another, even to myself. And he says he'll do that. So, Father, we thank you today for who you are. We love you. We thank you. We thank you that we're created in your image. And I pray this afternoon, I pray that even when we go to to be dismissed, that we would begin to speak life and light to one another. When we get in the car, when we go home, when we get up and go to work tomorrow, that, that we would be thermostats, not thermometers. That we would change the environment and even the culture because of the words that we speak bring life and light. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.